Say, I'm open. I'm teachable. And I'm subject to change. Say it one more time. I'm open. I'm teachable. And I'm subject to change. Amen. Well, Father, we come to you one more time, thanking you, honoring you for who you are and what we possess in you. There is no question about it. The greater one is in this house. And Lord, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to uh, share your word with the hearts and the lives of these that are listening by live stream as well as those that are here present tonight. We thank you, Lord, for you moving swiftly uh, and very precisely in our life. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing as far as our health is concerned, what you're doing for restoration in every area of our life, spirit, soul, body, and domestic. And we give you all of the praise, all of the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And amen. Well, give somebody a high five. You can be seated. We'll open up your Bibles this evening, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter number seven. We're going to bring a conclusion tonight to the series that has been being ministered on Wednesday night, looking ahead, looking ahead. How many of you know that it is very important that we stay focused in this season? We're, We're in a season right now. Dr. Savell has proclaimed to this congregation as well as around the world, as many others have done as well, that we are in a, in a season that we're moving into some marvelous times. There's marvels, there's wonders, extraordinary uh, manifestations of the presence of God in our midst. So we need to prepare our hearts and be prepared to hook into that vein of thinking in our life. How many of you know there's nothing that God will not do if we dare to challenge Him in His Word and He'll bring it to pass? All we got to do is challenge Him. He said, remind me. Remind me. So we're going to remind Him so that we can get the very best that God's got. How many of you know there there is a time that is... Actually, I think we're in the beginning of it. It's called the beginning of and the latter rains colliding together. And when they come together, as they are doing now, it's, 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 uh, it's happening across the world. They are coming together, and there's going to be an explosion of the Spirit like has never been on the face of the earth before. And then we're going to usher the presence of the Lord back into the, uh, to the earth. And He's going to reign, and He's going to rule for a thousand years, and we're going to do it with Him. Amen? Amen? So we need to get ourselves prepared for that. But in Jeremiah, these are some, I'm going to give you about three of the, uh, the foundational scriptures that have been being used out of Jeremiah. How many of you remember that the children of Israel, listen, when the children were, Israel were on, they were on. They were on target. They followed God. They did everything that they needed to do. But they were easily dissuaded to go different directions. And when they did, they always ended up in a mess. End up in a mess. One time they ended up a mess for over 400 years in bondage, didn't they? And God finally sent them a deliverer because they cried to the Lord. They got themselves right again with God. And then God began to minister back to them uh, by sending them a deliverer. Now you know that the deliverer that was sent was not the one that uh, uh, felt like he was the one that was called necessarily to do that. But how many of you know God knows how to take uh, lemons... And turn them into lemonade. He knows how to take those things that we think are not valuable and worthy. And he can turn them around and make them for something that's honorable and good. I mean, just look at us. He's taken us and he's turned us around. Because he's given us the opportunity to follow his way. Well, in this case, in Jeremiah, this is what the Lord said. In verse number 23. It said, but this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk ye in all of the ways that I have commanded you, that I may be, I may dwell, uh, that that it may be well with uh, unto you. But they hearkened not. There, there it is. They hearkened not. They hearkened not to what it was that the Lord told them to do. 
How many of you know if you and I don't hearken to what he says, it's not going to go well? Because the thief is out there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. How many of you know this is a fight? But it should be the fight that we win. Because Jesus has already won it for us. Everything that Jesus did, he accomplished in behalf of you and I. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for you. So that you and I could come to a place where we could enjoy the full benefits. Not just part of the benefit, but the full benefits of the Godhead bodily. Greater is he that's in you and in me than he that is in the world. There is nothing that can stop you except you. I don't want to put too much pressure on you. But the truth of the matter is, is the decisions are yours. The decisions are mine. Uh, after, after pastoring for 41 years, I've learned this one thing. We still got a lot more to go, a lot more to learn. There's always room in our life. We, we got to keep a small hole in our balloon so that it... it that the pride, the ego, and all of these other things leak out because Jesus was about love. His whole motivation in life, God's motivation, God so loved the world, right, that he gave the very best that he had who duplicated himself just like his father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you've heard me, you've heard the father. So everything that he was doing, everything that he was saying was to set up a platform or a pattern or a way for you and I to go. God did the same thing for the children of Israel. He set up a way for them, but every time they deviated from the path, then they began to falter and fail. And this is what happened. He says, they incline uh, their ear, but walk in the counsels and the imaginations of their evil heart. And they went backward and not forward. How do we want to go? Forward. Forward march. You know, all of your armor that God gave you was for the front. And he said, I'm your rear guard. I'll take care of you back. As the saying is in today's secular world, I got your back, brother. Got your back, sister. Well, God's got our back. He gave us everything that we need for the front so we could progress and move forward in life. So that's what we need to focus on is just to say focus on moving forward. Now, we can't do that without this other scripture found in Proverbs chapter 29. You should know what that one is, 29 and 18. I'm going to read it to you out of the King James Version and then out of the Amplified Bible. Verse number 18. He said, where there is no vision, the people perish. What happens to people when they have no vision? They perish. What happens to people today if they have no vision? They perish. Vision, how many of you know that there are three basic fundamentals that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Faith, hope, and love. Hope is the, the, hope is the spark that ignites our faith. And what is hope? It is your vision, it is your dream, and it is your desire. Those three things are what make up hope. Without hope, you have nothing to ignite your faith. How many of you know without faith, it's impossible? It's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is. Everybody say he is. He is. He's a rewarder of them that diligently, and that's the key word, diligently seek him. Now, I believe that you are diligent in seeking him because you, you're staying open. Teachable and subject to change. We all have to be that way so that we can progress down the line. As I was saying, after us pastoring for 41 years, you know, we just stepped into another phase of ministry. 
We haven't stopped ministry. We've just stopped, started into a different phase in our life in progression in where our walk is with the Lord. But the important thing is, is we have got to continue to realize that we've got to stay focused so we can get to our determined destinations. If you want to see marvels, if you want to see uh, extraordinary manifestations, then we have to press in. We have to push in. We've got to stay focused, and we need vision to do that. I also like to liken vision to your compass. It's your compass in life. It's the inner man dictating and telling you which direction to go. How many of you know if we'll follow after the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh? How many of you know your flesh is warring against you to go a different direction? How many of you know the enemy is out there trying to pull you away from what you have believed? We have to come to that place as, as Paul did. He said, I am fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. There is no answer outside of ever will be except the Lord and He is the full focus of my life. To lead me, guide me, direct me. I know as we're, as we're younger in life, we think we've got so long to go, but I'm, I can tell you from, from experience that coming from uh, a young person now to a, an older person in life that uh, time is short. Just like the scripture says, it's, it's like a, you know, a, a spring that comes up, a, a, a leaf that comes up and it's there for a season and it's gone. But for me to check out now is to be absent is to be present. So I'm in a win-win situation. So are you. I can't lose in this. I win either way. But the point is, is we are left here behind so that we can be witnesses and epistles, written epistles. We are chapter 29 of the book of Acts. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts and it never ended. That's because you're here and I'm here. We're the 29th chapter. I never will forget one day I was ministering. I said, I want everybody to open up your Bibles to Acts 29. I want to minister on Acts 29 this morning. And everybody was searching and they couldn't find 29. And I said, that's because you are the 29th chapter. I want to talk about your life, where you're headed, where you're going, what you're up to, what God wants to do in your life. He has made a plan and he has a blueprint. And the vision of that blueprint He has given to you to be able to carry it out. He's given you the written word, but he's also given given you the spiritual word, which is the the rhema of the word, the spirit-taught truths of the word of God, so that you can progress in life. You can live this. Just having the Bible is not enough. You have to get the Bible, the word of God in you, and only the spirit of God can be the revealer of that truth. And so you welcome him into your life. Every time you open up your Bible, you need to say, Holy Spirit, teach me today. He may only give you one word, but he'll give you a revelation on that one word. And you can live off of that one word. Back in, this has been years and years ago when the uh, missionaries were going into uh, behind the Iron Curtain, that there was uh, a group of people behind the Iron Curtain that they were getting a Bible, trying to get Bibles to, because they had no Bibles. All they had was pieces, just pieces of Bibles. And scriptures that were on there, they would, preachers would preach from some of those little pages that they had, just the little few verses that they had, they would just preach over and over and over off of those pages. And one day, they had had some Bibles smuggled in, and they found this uh, people that... uh, had been desiring to have the the, the whole Bible. And so they got it to them. And when they gave it to the people, the people would take their Bibles and they would clutch them to their hearts and with tears streaming down their face, they were walking backwards and they say, now we can tell the people the whole truth. Because all they had was that small portion. And you and I have got three, four, five, different renderings of Bibles in our homes. We have churches on every corner. You know, we are so blessed. We've, we, we've got bookstores. We've got access to, to uh, the internet. 
They do in other parts of the world if you have a computer. But if you don't have a computer, you don't have that access. So there's still people that have not heard this glorious gospel yet that you and I so much enjoy. He said, uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now the Amplifies, it says, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God. No redemptive revelation of God. The people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. The fact that you have this, you better be grateful and thankful. Aren't you glad? And don't take this for granted. The world's waxing worse and worse. Things in many ways look bleak, but for the church, it should be getting better. Matter of fact, the church is going to be the light, right? It's going to be the salt. It's going to be that which is going to put forth the beaming light of the presence of the Holy Spirit and people will be drawn to it. You want to know how this church is going to grow to 22, 2300 people? The Holy Ghost, the light that's in you, the hope of glory that's on the inside of you, that light being exposed, you living the life, not just, not just talking about it, but living the life, being a living epistle, living it out. People can just see it. Listen, the aura of God, the presence of God is in you. If you don't believe that so, then what happened to Peter that day that he walked down the middle of that road and, I mean... Healings took place. Deliverances took place just by the shadow, the aura of the presence of God in his life. Everywhere Jesus went, supernatural things happened. Everywhere you go, supernatural things happen. You have to believe that. You lay hands on a sick person, you should expect them to recover. You may not see it that second, But you should expect just laying your hands. He said lay hands on the sick. He didn't even say pray for them. He said lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So you don't have to be real religious and put your hands on them and say, Oh God in heaven, shake the foundations of the earth. He's already shaken the foundations. It's already been done. What we got to do is just accept the fact that the greater one indwells us. Amen. Looking forward, looking to see yourself as, as, as something that is valuable. That your touch is valuable. Your words are valuable. The things, the thoughts that you think. He said, think on these things, things that are lovely, a good report, sound in virtue. Think on those things. As you think on those things, then they become thoughts become opportunities to speak words that bring forth help and encouragement in people's lives. There's hurting people everywhere. Everywhere you go, you know there's hurting people. You can go to church and find hurting people. We find them here on Sunday morning. Some are are physically having difficulties. Some are struggling because of uh, circumstances and situations in their family that have hurt their hearts. People have been through things. Have you been through some things? I've been through some things. You know, to, to be a pastor, I, you know, I appreciate Pastor Justin and Pastor Nett. And by the way, uh, the, the house here has been provided with some great ministry. Amen. Don't ever, don't ever think anything less than have great honor and respect. You know, the, the man of God and the woman of God are worthy of double honor. And I'm not just saying that to boost them. I'm saying that you just, you haven't walked in their shoes. You don't know what goes, goes what daily activities. You may think they're out playing golf and doing all kinds. I don't know what you think. I know people used to think that's what I did, but that's not true. I can't even count on two hands the number of times I went and played golf in those 41 years of ministry. And I like to play golf. But that's not what's important. It's not what I want to do. It's what I need to do to minister to the needs 
of individual lives. To prepare myself, to have a vision, to have a dream, to, to have desire that gets, looks beyond where I'm at right now. Amen. And that's the same for you and, and for everyone else in this room and those that are not here tonight, those that are li- listening by way of live stream. So vision is an absolute must in your life. Now go with this to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I listened to Pastor Justin on this one just a few weeks ago whenever he was using this particular scripture. And I agree with him wholeheartedly. You know, some things in the scripture, you just wonder, Lord, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And this is one of those patches. We're, we're going to leave, read the last, the last verse. Verse number 18. Well, let, let's go back. Let's, let's read starting at verse 13. It says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things uh, are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a more uh, exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18 is what we want to focus on. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen. Now, think about that just a moment. It's hard to not look at the things that are around you. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen. But at the things which are not seen. How can you see something that's not seen? Well... With your spirit. How many of you know you're a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body? You are spirit. You possess a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. And you live in a house called a body. How many of you know it's your spirit that occupies your body and utilizes your body? When a person expires from this life, leaves this life, what leaves? Spirit and soul. Spirit and soul. Nothing is left, but it occupied everything that you physically see. But the real you is on the inside. The real you, the real me, is on the inside. What do you think goes to be in the presence of the Lord? Your spirit and your soul. Did you know that you've always been? Did you know that God knew you before you ever formed in your mother's womb? That's what the scripture says. He knew you. you you've always been. You are eternal. You didn't get eternal life. You are eternal. You chose the path of eternal life. You chose Jesus. Many people have not chosen Jesus. They're still eternal. And they're going to suffer the consequences of not choosing God's plan. They're not going to go forward. They're going to go backward. They have no choice but to go backward. But you and I are eternal. So he says we have to learn to see those things that are not with our natural eye, but supernatural. That's the reason that when you lay hands on a sick person, you have to, by the eye of faith, you have to see them healed. When you see somebody that is bound by demonic activity, you have to believe that you have authority. 
Jesus spoke to the wind. The wind, you cannot see it. All you can see is the result of wind. But you can't see wind. But you see the result of it. But yet Jesus understood that he was in control. He understood that he had authority. He understood that he was here to bring back what Adam lost. Adam lost his authority. He lost his dominion. But Jesus came and restored all of that. Everything that was in the garden that was lost was restored by Jesus. Everything. Did you know that if Adam and Miss Adam had not sinned, you would still be here? And you would be naked. And you wouldn't care. It wouldn't bother you one iota. How many of you know when you came in, how'd you come in? You didn't have nothing. But the truth of the matter is, if you take that from a spiritual perspective, God, when he brought you into this world, he's clothed you with everything that you need. How many of you know he gave you his faith? You you know, for years and years and years, I, I heard that you get faith when you get born again. No, you have to use faith to get born again. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. Well, where did you get that? You got that when he planted you in your mother's womb. You have to look forward. You have to get beyond what you see in the natural now and what you've heard. I told Diane the other day we were driving back from Louisiana because we've been with my sister and brother-in-law because of some physical things in their life. And, and uh, there's, there's old wise fables that have lasted for years and years and years. And one of those wise fables is if, if, the, if the cattle are laying down, fishing's not good. If the cattle are standing up, fishing's good. I said, look, honey, fishing's not good today. They're all laying down in the field. She said, you don't believe that. I said, no, but I just thought I'd bring it up. <laughs> you don't cross, we you know where a black cat passes by. You don't walk on a, a, underneath a ladder. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people are, that think today, and unfortunately, it comes into the church too. Listen, you've had faith all along. And if you don't take that for truth, then go to Hebrews chapter number 11 and read the Hall of Fame of Faith. It says, these all died in faith, never receiving the promise. They all died in what? Faith, never receiving the promise. You're saying Father Abraham didn't have faith? I say he did. How many of you would thrust a knife through your son or your daughter? Took faith to do that. Because he believed that even if he had to take his life, then God had to raise him up because that was the promised son. You have to believe. He believed beyond hope when there wasn't any natural hope to grab a hold of, he went beyond. He saw something beyond. He actually happened to believe God's Word. Can you imagine that? A man actually believed God. Well, isn't that you? You really got quiet. (laughs) The Lord really wants you and I to accept the fact that He's made us something. We are something. We're not just hand-me-downs. We're not just barely get-by folks. 
You've got all you need. And you have to believe that. Or you can't advance. You have to be able to advance. How many of you know we got a lot, lot further road to, to go down? We can go. How far do we go in faith anyway? How far? When does faith, when do we stop? We got to keep on. There is no end. It's eternal. We have to keep on keeping on. We got to keep pressing. That's what Paul the Apostle, we got to press. If anybody had a right to say something positive, I mean, this guy went through everything. He wrote two thirds of your New Testament in the epistles. And he did most of them in jail and in prison. You and I have a wonderful opportunity to grab a hold of and look ahead before us. Listen, there's a, the best is yet to come. We're just starting on the preface of this last move of God. But what's going to happen is going to happen quickly. He said in Daniel, he said in the last days, knowledge would increase. Haven't, haven't you seen knowledge increase? How many, of you, uh, how many of you bought computers, let's say, 10 years ago? You had a computer. How many of you have a new one? And a new one. And a new one. Because every six months, if you're going to keep up, you've got to buy a new one. Because the, the knowledge is increasing so rapidly. Medicine, medicine has advanced tremendously. How many of you know that uh, knowledge comes from God? Many times we've criticized uh, the, the, the medical field. We, we shouldn't criticize anything. Thank God for the knowledge. Thank God for their knowledge so that you can get your faith to work in. And sometimes we need to get some assistance to get us back on our feet so that we can progress forward. It's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you get back up. We just got to keep pressing. We, there's, they're, they're, quit should not be in your vocabulary. We're not quitters. We're winners. We're more than conquerors. We always triumph in the Lord. For me to fail, God would have to fail, and He can't. If He can't, I can't. He's the author. He's the finisher of my faith. He authored it in. He finished it. Everything is authored and finished by the Lord Himself, and He's made it all available to you and I so that we could press in to the things that God has. That's what vision does for you. It puts you in a position to where you never lose sight of your compass or your blueprint that will give you what it is that you have need for in your life. And you'll do it your whole life. And that's awesome. Remember in the Psalms and in the Proverbs, he said, learn of me. He said, my son, attend unto my word and incline unto my sayings. They end up being health unto all your flesh. Everything concerning your life and my life. You know, your life, I don't care where you're at in age. I'm 72 right now. My life is just getting started. I mean, Caleb didn't even start. Joshua didn't even start till they were 80. Amen. So, I'm still just a young buck. There you go. There you go. Just in a different phase, that's all. In a different phase of life and ministry. But it's still the same. And it ought to get increasingly greater. Your life should get increasingly greater. You need to have something to look forward to. Nobody wants to continue to look at their past back here because their past, you know, it's 2020, yes. But you can learn some things from your past so that you can progress and go forward. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Go with me to 2 Kings. I want to do one in the Old uh, Testament. 2 Kings chapter number 2. 2 Kings... Chapter 2. 
We're going to begin at verse number one. I'm going to read to you out of the King James Bible. You all know the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah is, a, in, this, in this chapter, Elijah is in preparation for departure. It's going to coincide with what Timothy and what Paul was speaking to Timothy in the New Testament. It's similar in story. And so Elijah is preparing this young man to take his position, but he's testing him. He's checking him out to see where his vision is. And I want you to think of the word ahead. Ahead. He's looking ahead. And so he makes some quality decisions in looking ahead. He's going to get some deterrence, but he does not lose focus on where he's headed. So let's begin in verse number one. It says, And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha uh, from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. First challenge. The first challenge that Elisha had was the master himself, the one that he had been following, the one that had been mentoring him. He told him, he says, you go ahead and stay here, but I need to go down to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. The place that they were at was uh, Gilgal. Gilgal is Israel's first camping place after crossing the Jordan River, or Israel's new beginning. Once they crossed over, they had a new beginning. How many of you remember the manna ceased? There was no more provision of manna. Now they are going to be on their own, being led by God. They're going into a promised land that they will take cities that they did not build, vineyards that they did not plant. Everything was there. It was theirs. God had promised it to them. Their first place of camping was at Gilgal. That's where the Lord spoke to uh, Elijah that his time was at hand for departure. So he takes his young buck with him that he's been mentoring. And he tells him, he takes him down to uh, uh, Bethel or from Gilgal. Uh, down to, to Bethel, and, but he tells him, he says, why don't you just stay here? How many of you know that would, if, if you knew that your master was leaving and that you're wanting something from your master, he's got a vision, and he's going to answer that in just a minute, what his vision is. He says, man, I, you're, you're not going any place without me. It's you and your shadow. I'm your shadow. Everywhere you're going, I'm going. He says, no, won't you tarry here? He says, no, I'm not tarrying here. I'm going to go with you. Wherever you're going, I'm going with you. I'm not going to miss out on what it is that God's got planned for me. And it says in verse number three, it says, and the sons of the prophet that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, he said, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. I know it. He said, Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, he said, Tarry here at Bethel. Just stay here at the house of God. That's a good place to stay. You know, the house of God is a wonderful place. Presence of the Lord was there. Obviously. He said, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Now, how many of you know that Jericho was the first uh, city that they defeated? Yeah. A supernatural, 
manifestation of the presence of God. How many of you know that a shout cannot bring down the walls? If you do not believe me, then we should all stand and let's shout these walls down. And you're going to say, Pastor, you're just being foolish. But that's what the man of God told them to do. That they were going to encompass the city seven times. And on the seventh time, they were going to blow the trumpet and the shout of God. And they did that. And what happened to the walls? And the walls came tumbling down (laughs) to the ground. Why? Because of their obedience. How many of you know it was the Lord that brought it to pass because that's what he gave them as an instruction to do. They followed their blueprint. They followed the vision. They stayed on course with their compass so that they would get the best that God had. So he said, stay here at the place where the first miracle took place. How many of you know lots of people want to camp where the old miracles happened? Thank God for Jack Coe, Amy Simple MacPherson, and the list just goes on and on and on. Those were wonderful days. Catherine Kuhlman, Diane and I got to be in two of her meetings, and I went as a skeptic. I used to watch her on TV, and I'd turn her off. I had a knob I could turn her on, turn her off. But you know what? There was something about her that just drew. I just had to find out. So I went to see. But those were good places to camp. And lots of times we refer back to that as the good days. And the truth of the matter is, is the best days are still before us. And you're alive today in this new day, in this new move of what God is doing. So... Not that you shouldn't reflect back. Let's go ahead and rehearse all that God did and, and, and did through their lives because they paid a price to, to do what they did. John G. Lake had over 100,000 recorded miracles. Recorded miracles. People that were raised from sickbed, from deathbed. Over 100,000 right here in the United States of America. If you read his story, it's amazing. He trained all of those people that occupied that facility that they had. They had nothing but rooms for sick people. And people were trained to go in there. And either you came out of there alive or you came out of there in a box. They were terminal. Over 100,000 recorded Miracles. And that was just a drop in a bucket to what God's about to do. Dr. Savelle said this year, this year, 2019, this year, marvels, wonders, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness and the goodness of our God. This year. Are you expecting it? Are you expecting to be healed yourself? Are you expecting to be delivered and set free? Well, this young man says, man, I'm not going no place. You got what I need and I'm going to get it. You got it. I need it for my life and for my ministry. Let's see. Let's go. Are we at verse number six? Yeah, we're at verse number six. It says, And Elijah said unto him, He said, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul uh, liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty of the sons of the prophets went and stood And they viewed afar. Now listen, that's where a lot of church people are at right now. They're viewing afar. They're just checking this out. 
They're just trying to see. Do, do you guys really got something? Is there something really happening here? Are you really on fire? You look like you're on fire. You act like you're on fire. How's it working in your life? Is it working for you? Are you getting touched? Are you getting healed? Are, 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 you, are you blessed coming in? Are you blessed going out? Are you the head and not the tail above only and not beneath? Everything that you're putting your hand to is God causing it to prosper. And your answer should be by the word of faith, yes. Whether you see it or I see it or anybody else sees it, your answer should be yes. Listen, this young, this young people today, they are looking for the real deal. They're not looking for church. They're looking for church that, where it's happening. Where lives are being touched and changed. That's what they want. They're tired of the churchianity. I learned that in my own church. We shouldn't be happy with just us four and no more. We shouldn't be happy with the 500 that we have. What's wrong with large? Nothing. Jesus came in multitudes. It doesn't say how many, it just multitudes. I mean, they fill up a whole side of a mountain. And they stayed all day and listened to him teach. All day. I don't even know if there's any potty breaks or not. All day. Let's get through this. Verse number eight. It says Elijah took his mantle. They were at, uh, well, verse, I guess, yeah, verse number eight. Elijah took his mantle and he wrapped it together and he smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they went over, the two went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah, uh, uh, Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Why didn't he ask for triple? He could have had whatever he asked. This man of God was able to give him whatever he was believing for. He said, what do you want? Remember when the blind Bartimaeus was standing on the side and he was, Jesus was passing by and blind Bartimaeus said, thou son of David, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around in the crowd tried to hush him down. Even his disciples tried to, Master's busy, he's on a journey to go touch somebody's life. And he kept saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. He elevated his voice. And Jesus stopped. And he said, come here. And he asked him this question, What do you want? What do you want? The obvious was there. He was blind. Jesus saw what he needed. But he says, what do you want? He said, I want to see. And he granted it to him. Right? Well, so could Elijah. Elijah was going to give this man. He said, what do you want? What are you requiring of me? Before I depart and leave, I want to bless you, man. I want to bless you. What do you want? How many of you know it was, it was an awesome thing for him to ask for a double portion of the anointing? That's awesome. How many of you know with double portion is double responsibility? I want twice. If you go and read the recordings of Elijah and Elisha, he did exactly twice. What Elijah did, miracle-wise. You have to research that out. Oh, let's see. 
Verse number 10, he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am uh, taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that they beheld in a, and there appeared unto them a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. He didn't get in the chariot. He went up in a whirlwind. He was taken up, caught up in the presence of Almighty God. What happens? And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his clothes and he rent them in two, two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he went back and he stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted thither, hither and thither, and Elijah, Elisha went over. The last miracle that Elijah did was the first miracle that Elisha did. And it just proceeded from there to get greater and greater. What was it that the young man wanted? He said, I want a double portion of the anointing. I want the anointing. Do you know what you should desire in your life? The anointing. And you can have all that you want. The Holy Spirit gave the, uh, Jesus was given the Holy Spirit without measure. You have access to that. I have access to that. It just depends. Do I want that or not? Because with it comes accountability and responsibility. The anointing is there not to uh, satisfy you so that you can be elevated and lifted up. The anointing is for, for you and for me to touch the lives of hurting people. Amen. That's what it's for. It's not about you. Your salvation is not about you. It's about everybody that comes in contact to you. It doesn't mean that you don't get benefits from it. You should be blessed coming in, blessed going out. But it's not about you. It's about whom you're being sent to. Now go with me to the New Testament real quickly in Philippians. And we're going to close with this. This is the New Testament example that was given by the Apostle Paul. Chapter number 3. And I'm going to read the whole thing to you. And then just make a comment at the very, very end. Starting at verse number 8. It says, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is uh, of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable to, unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, brethren, he makes this declaration. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Not just a calling, but a high calling. The high calling of God. That's you. That's me. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus.
He said, forgetting those things which are behind. How many of you have got some skeletons in your closet? If we were all honest, we say we got a, some skeletons. But know this. How many of you have confessed those skeletons? He said, if I'll confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of those things and put them as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered anymore by him. Now, you'll remember them because they are a tool to help you learn. Failure is not always a bad thing because you can take the negative and turn it around to positive. Remember I told you he can take a lemon and he can make lemonade out of it. And that's what he's done with your life and my life. I don't know all of your backgrounds. You don't know all of my backgrounds. And I'm not going to tell you all my background. You don't need to know. All you need to know is greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That I am blessed coming in, blessed going out. Because that's how God sees me. That's how he sees you. Take this and write this down. God does not consult your past to determine your future. He never looks at your past to determine where you're headed. The problem is, is old dogs try to hang on to us. And, try, and the devil tries to remind us. The latter part of the statement is this. But the devil reminds you of your past so that he can detour you from fulfilling your future. I'm going to say it again. God does not consult your past to determine your future. But the devil reminds you of your past so uh, as to detour you from fulfilling or seeing your future. you got to stay looking ahead and press. You have to press. We've all got a past and God's fully aware of what the past had been, but he let it go. And you need to let it go as well. The only thing that's before us is really determined by how far I want to go with him. Do I want to press? Paul paid and prayed the price to get to his determined destination. If you go back and read the history of Paul in the Bible, you will find that he was given a dispensation of time. One man was given a dispensation of time before he departed. And he stood boldly and he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I did it. I did because I hung on to vision. Man, if anybody probably could have quit in the middle of the fray, the things that he went through to get to his determined destination, it was Paul the Apostle. But thanks be to God, he didn't quit. You know what? He saw you and he saw me down the road. I don't know how he saw it, except God showed him that the end was going to end up being better than all that he's gone through. And he was given a segment of time to get this information into your care and to my care of how great a God we serve and how wonderful you are in the sight and the heart of God himself. He loves you with an everlasting love. He has a love that is just endless. He doesn't think bad of you. He's not considering your past. He sees you where you're going today and where you're headed. And thank God for God. Amen? Amen. Did you get anything out of that? God bless you.